Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I am pumped honored and excited that you have joined us for what will be another fantastic episode. This week, we are joined by Andrea Waltz, author of Go For No. Now, this is an interesting episode because we're going to be talking about the importance of getting no in the sales process. Now, you might be thinking, I don't want to get a no. I need yeses. Yeses get me bank. And absolutely, yeses get your bank. But so many deals in sales today end up in the dredged no decision area or no decision zone of your sales pipeline. Some stats tell us, you know, 40% of deals um, don't say yes or no. They just have no decision. And they're the worst because then they just sit there in your pipe uh, and they just become like a graveyard of deals that go nowhere. So what Andrea talks about is embracing the no, is, you know, getting to know is the foundation of building success. Setting no targets. This is actually an awesome episode and you're going to get a lot out of it. So also, where have I been the last two weeks? I didn't post a podcast in this last week. I was actually at a really insane conference and I learned heaps around customer advocacy and why loving your customer, providing that unique experience is key in building a community of engaged, you know, engaged partners, not just just customers. So I'll release a little bit more of, of, of what I learned in the next couple of weeks. So as always, I'm really, really the, uh, the the comments and the feedback are very humbling. So keep sending them over, keep giving us feedback. And you know, we've, we've got a few great guests coming up based on the feedback that you've given us on the type of, you know, people you want us to, to talk to. So we're going to be talking to some interesting sales leaders, some practitioners who implement these concepts every single day. So guys, buckle up, get a pen out, wherever you're listening, enjoy the episode because this will be a blast. So really excited to uh, have another international guest on our show. So welcome to the show, Andrea. Hello, it is so great to be with you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, yeah, well, thank you very much for coming on to our podcast this week. And uh, we're really excited to talk about the no theory and, you know, why going for no will help you, um, you know, increase your sales results. But before we get into that, we'd love to hear a bit more about about you and how you started in the world of sales. Yeah, I, my background is in retail sales and I started that was my fir- very first job was selling it in a record store yeah. <laughs> when those still existed <laughs> and uh, records and CDs. And um, so, yeah, I spent my first 10 years in sales was really in retail. And eventually um, met my husband. We decided to launch our own speaking and training company. And at that time, it was to work with retailers, large companies, on their sales, customer service, management, um, you know, managing the sales floor, that type of thing. And so we, uh, yeah, we we launched that and uh, had a very, very rocky start the first few months, but eventually got one big client and that helped us land a few other clients and we were on our way. And of everything that we would teach and of everything that we would talk about, and sometimes we would get hired to do short programs, but sometimes 
eight hour sessions, four hour sessions, go for no, this idea of go for no would be one of the things that we talk about. And eventually it became the thing that everyone loved. And so we realized that we had something that was a um, solution to a really important problem, which was people didn't like to fail. They didn't like to be rejected. They didn't like the word no. And that it was so much more than retail. It was anyone in sales, everyone in sales. And so we ended up writing the book and then kind of from there started to expand the business to where we no longer just work with retailers. We work with anyone who has, who, who wants their sales force, their sales team to get better overcoming the word no. Yeah, fantastic. That's an amazing story of, of, you know, how you were born. But just going back on that, because a lot of people, you know, when you hear no, I mean, and you, you talk about this in your book, where we're from an early age, um, you know, we, we, we constantly ask and we, we get used to hearing no, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you, you referred to it as, can I have the cookie mum? Can I have the cookie mum? And she kept saying no until she finally gave in. But um, right. the persistence that kids use, because I've got kids and I and even at, you know, my daughter's 17, they, they still ask me a number of times when I say no, but um, they're persistent. And then as we get older, we notice that, you know, my kids will ask 10 times, but then as people get older, they ask once, they hear no, and, and then they don't ask at all because they fear hearing that no. Um, help us understand sort of, you know, what impacts people or conditions them to fear no so much. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. It's a question that I get asked often, and I think a lot of it has to do with just uh, learning to operate in a society where you don't want to look um, like a, a pushy person. Yeah. But also th- there's a, a thing in that has happened in the sales world, and it's a good thing, but it's also, I think, had a detrimental effect. And, and the good thing that's happened is no one wants to be the pushy, aggressive salesperson anymore. Yeah. And in order to not be perceived as that, what happens is you really end up saying, okay, well, I don't want, I don't want to be perceived this way. So I'm never going to accidentally step over the line. I don't want to upset anyone. And so salespeople lose that. Um, Sometimes they, they shave off the aggressiveness, which is good, but then they lose the assertiveness, which is actually a good quality and they lose that persistence. And so um, I think it's natural for all of us as we as we age and we let, kind of lose our childishness, yeah. like when we're kids, right? Yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm gonna get what I'm gonna get this from my mom and dad, whatever it takes. I don't care. I'm just gonna <laughs> hound them until the end of time, and we lose that persistence, which is reasonable because we don't want to be spoiled brats. But then, mm-hmm. from a selling standpoint, we have to remember that that assertiveness is still really important. Yeah, and was there a moment in your career where? you struggle to embrace the no or or you struggle with that term with rejection? Actually, the funny thing is I didn't realize that I had a problem with no until Richard told me the main story in the book, Go For No, which is a story about how he was working at a men's clothing store and his sales were not that great. And he was trying to impress the district manager and he had this great sale and it was like $1,100. And then the district manager asked him, you know, after he had this great sale, what did that customer say no to? And Richard said, what do you mean? I just had this fabulous sale. The (laughs) the customer bought everything I showed him. What are you talking about? And then the district manager said, 
yeah, what did he say no to? And then Richard had to admit he didn't say no to anything. He said everything I showed that man he purchased. And then the really important question he got asked next was, well, then how did you know he was done? Because you never heard no, right? (laughs) And so, so he, um, Richard had this, um, that, that story is in the book and it's actually something that happened to him when he was selling suits for a living and it was what got him on this go for no path. So when we ended up working together, he told me that story and I thought at that time that I had no fear of the word no. In fact, I thought I was a superstar salesperson, a great salesperson who customers loved and I was very good. But I then had to get honest and think about it and think, you know what? I really don't like to hear the word no. I am really good with people. I do have that ability to connect, but I was fearing looking pushy. I would get the first yes and kind of be like, okay, great. Let's you know, finish the sale here. I don't want to yeah. lose my yes. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to close this deal now while I still have it. And I don't want to look pushy and blah, blah, blah. So I had my own challenges to overcome. And when I started applying go for no at, to my job, um, I got so much better because yeah. I just started asking better questions and then, and actually asking for, you know, selling more, selling more, selling more products, basically. And uh, it became, I I realized that I was actually not serving the customer, that I was really serving myself by not being like truly an authentic salesperson saying, hey, here are all the options and take them or leave them. But I want to make sure that you know about these and let the customer say no to me rather than me saying no for them. Yeah, okay. Uh, It's a really interesting concept, isn't it? Um, and just uh, yeah. and just on that is because I know that this is a really interesting conversation, right? Because I, I survey a lot of high-performing salespeople in different industries, and the one of the common themes or common responses or things that I, I learn is that high performers are persistent. Um, high performers, you know, have that attitude that. Um, they're willing to do what others aren't. They're willing to, to go that extra mile. And, you know, if that means um, get more no's, they get more no's. But is, in your opinion, I mean, because there's this old, I don't want to be persistent, I don't want to come across slimy, pushy, etc. cetera. But um, mm-hmm. essentially, as a, as a sales professional, our role is to help the customer through the buying process and get them to a point of decision, right? So mm-hmm. if we have that challenge that we don't want to get no, or we've, is, it, is it the no that's the issue or is it that their mindset about their role and you know, what, 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 if, what an actual sales professional actually does? Mm. Yeah, I think, I think it can be both, but yeah. you're right. If you're not looking at, at your role as a salesperson in the right way, then um, that can hinder you because I think, and and this could be a really deep seated belief, just like people have negative beliefs about money or they have negative beliefs about, you know, all kinds of things. And if you believe deep down inside somewhere that sales is bad and that ultimately sales is just manipulative and it's just about talking people into things then, and, and you kind of forgot about that, but that's like that deep rooted belief, then yeah, you're going to have problems. Hmm. It's really one that I've, I've I've given a lot of thought, especially after you know reading your book um, 
I think it was a, it's a it's a great book. It's got some really good stories in it. Um, so so in your career, um, you were always sort of embracing um, the word no. Was there a time when you were finding it having a negative impact on you or your confidence? So yeah, um, and and first of all, the, the something that Richard and I always tell people is we could have never neither one of us could have written or could speak about go for no if we had no fear of no, if we had no fear of rejection. Yeah. You know, we, we, we could we could never, because it, the answer would be, well, it's easy, just get over it. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't, right. let it don't let it stop you. Like, what's your problem? Um, that would be the extent of our training. And so as two people who have these issues, I have been a work in progress on this from the beginning. Yeah. And I think I, it's taken me, there's been different pieces that I've worked on. Like, for example, um, for, for one thing, not taking no personally. Um, that was a really big one. The second one was, um, the second piece that I spent a lot of time working on myself was just not looking for validation from people saying yes or no. Like if I was, got the yes, then I was a good salesperson. And if I got a no, I was somehow bad. I, that, I think that, looking for that personal validation, I had to distance myself and step back and go like, okay, it's not about me, but maybe I'm going after the wrong target prospects. Maybe I need to change up the offer. Maybe I need to look at how I'm approaching people. And so it really personally detaching. So I've had to do a lot of work myself. So when you ask, like, have there been times throughout my career? Yes, constantly, because yeah. this is like a constant work in progress for me. And and now I've gotten to the point where um, I do really like to hear no. I, I like that I've when I can get a, a sale and move it, uh, move it so far down the line to where I finally get a decision and it's a yes, that's great. If it's a no, that's great. But if I can get a decision, I think that's always great. Yeah, I think yeah, getting absolutely. decisions from, from prospects these days or customers is the hardest thing. Yeah. And you're so right. I think there's so much data out there to say that one of the biggest challenges, one of the biggest objections we get from customers is, uh, or is just no decision. Um, and, right. and that's having an impact on, on performance. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, and in, at least with the no, if you can get the no, um, and I was talking with Mark Hunter about this, who was at Outbound as, as well, um, yeah. and how you have to value no and how no gives you so much information in terms yeah. of, you know, um, the direction that you can go and, and maybe backing up and saying, okay, what did I, what did I not explain? Where's the miscommunication? Yeah. And, or just is this a timing issue, which obviously that's another really big thing that I see is just timing, right? Sales yeah. is so, so much timing. Absolutely. And so I'm hearing it. There's a couple of things I'm learning from this. And um, it's not just about getting the no, but it's actually about learning the intent of the no. So if the customer, if we get to point of decision and the customer says no, then the reflection that we must have is either, you know, identify like, is it a timing issue? Is it, is it, we're speaking to the wrong prospect? Is it the wrong fit? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much um, opportunity to learn from those no's. And uh, I mean, how, how is that something that you also learned through this process? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, because it's, and it's funny cause sometimes there's so many things that it's easy to misconstrue when you hear the word go for no. And, and over the years people have said, so go for no is like a numbers game. It's just <laughs> get as many no's as you can and eventually you'll get a yes. And that is like the most simplistic way to describe it. And I don't like that for a few different reasons, even though, even though there's a part of it that's true, right? There's a part of it where, um, yes, if you're not calling on enough people, then you're not going to get, you're, you're not going to fill the pipeline. You're not going to have enough opportunities. You're not going to get, you're not going to move the sale through the process. So that numbers game is important, but it, the other piece of it is that you have to be going for no intelligently. And it was funny because I remember one time, um, doing the conference call and somebody and, and we, we do work with so many different organizations and this was like a direct sales, direct, um, uh, network marketing business. And this guy was like, I, yeah, I just, I was just going for no, I was just talking to everybody I could at the gas station. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) I said, okay, well, there's a couple problems with that because you're make, you're trying to make the numbers, you know, that's just the numbers game thing, right? So you can't follow up with any of the people that told you no. You have no idea why they told you no. It was probably bad timing. You have no idea who the prospects are. I mean, there's just all kinds of problems with that. So if we can go for no intelligently, that's the way to do it. Absolutely. It, you know, it's. I think it's one thing going, I'm getting lots of no's from a spray and hope model versus I'm very targeted in, in, in who I'm talking to and I'm getting no's because I can get a learning off that. I can't get a learning off a spray and hope model. Um, right, spray know, and hope, so, yes, exactly. And it's funny because when, when I had my best ever year when I won all the awards in the company I was at, um, I, I don't think my, my conversion was terrible, but um, I got a lot of no's. And, mm. um, but, you know, I think it was the no's that led me to the to the success that I had, and, and I often say that to salespeople: it's it's okay to get the no's, it's okay to get them to a point of decision and and get no. And as long as it's a no where it's not a stall, where there's no uncomfortable mm-hmm. tension between you and them, it's not that they trust you. It's it's genuinely, you know what? It's just not the right time, or or, or there's a few different things, mm-hmm. and you can't handle that mm-hmm. objection. It's okay. Um, you know, right. It's okay to get that rejection because it's some to some extent we can't control the what the customer's decision, and this is where I'm a big believer that a, a difference between a sales professional. I love that Larry Levine, you know, talks about empty suit models. Um, mm-hmm. It's not about persuasion. It's not about tricking or manipulating. Is mm-hmm. we cannot control if a customer says no. I can only control what I position, the value narrative how the relationship I developed. That's why we control. control. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. I was just, I get really passionate about <laughs> this particular subject because I keep getting, there's a lot of stuff coming up on my feed at the moment, which is about, you know, selling is about persuasion and, 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 uh, you know, that completely for me, that's completely wrong. That's um, giving our industry a real bad name. Um, one of the things I'd love to, you know, talk a bit more about from your book is the five failure levels. And uh, if you can help us, it was just expand on that. Yeah, yeah. So the five failures, it's kind of funny because people, um, we talk a lot about failure in the book, especially in the beginning, because we want people to understand that a no is not a failure. So we try to kind of change people's mindset around, hey, failure is not bad. Failure is part of 
the way to get to yes. So you, you have to kind of, you have to fail your way to success and yeah. the five failure levels. Yeah. Are a part of that. And, um, level one is called the ability to fail and it's where everyone starts. And yep. that is one, 100% of the people have the ability to fail. Now, interestingly, <laughs> uh, that's a, sometimes that's all people want to do is they have the ability, but they, they, failure is not an option. Like they don't want to fail. They're terrified of it. They see it as a negative level two though, is the interesting level where you, you have the willingness to fail. Yep. And that's where you have somebody who is says, I'm willing to hear no in my pursuit of yes, I'm willing to. And um, usually a fairly high percentage of people can get here. The next level though is the really powerful one and that's called the wantingness to fail. And the wantingness to fail is where you really embrace the idea of go for no, where you say, I tried to get 10 no's this week. I yeah. only got nine. I did not reach my goal. I'm not happy, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, which is so counterintuitive to most most of us taught in sales. We say like, we want to get three yeses this week. And if we did, that's all that matters, you know? So the wantingness is really about pushing outside of the typical um, boundary and to set a, an interesting no goal, which I know we'll talk about. And then- you know what? Can I just pause yeah, on that ahead. level three? This is really yeah. interesting, right? This is something that I, I've had, I've had a bit of not challenge, but you know, after reading your book and hearing your awesome um, keynote at Outbound, like if I look back at all my books, you know, Paul J Meyer and Jim Rohn and 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 you know, even the, the likes of Bill Nightingale. Now, now, yes, they talk about you know, failure is a step towards success, and, and maybe I'm, it's my interpretation, but it's all about manifesting positivity. You know, we visualize anything you can vividly imagine, utterly desire. I used to listen to Paul J. Meyer say that so much. Um, and they talk about manifesting and 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 thinking about the positive outcome that you're looking to achieve, right? Mm-hmm. And am I reading this that level three is that going against? the grain of, you know, that visualization of positiveness is? Oh, yeah, that's so that's a great question. And no, you you have to kind of, um, it's easy to to maybe feel that way. And that's why I always say that you're you're not um, wishing, hoping or praying for a no. But what you want to what you want to achieve is you want to get out there and have the activity. And so it really it's it's not about um, expecting a no, which would be like planting a seed almost in your mind and and maybe even subconsciously sabotaging, which we certainly don't want to do. Right. But it's about the acceptance of the no. And um, the acceptance is is in alignment with that idea of wanting and saying, I want to get to that level where I've made, I've tried so many opportunities, have so many opportunities that I got this many no's without, without the sabotage. Right. So yeah, it's taking a negative reality, but making it as positive as possible. Okay. Interesting. Cause I think in your book, you've said, you know, fewer than 5% of all people ever get to level three. Right. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to maintain because it really pushes you out of the traditional yes goal model. And you're constantly saying, and this is very much in alignment with Jeb's, um, you know, Jeb Blount's uh, one more call philosophy, you know, just that one more call, that one more call. What, what would happen if you said on a, the end of the week, you said, I, 
heard nine no's and I'm going to call that one customer who I I think he will say no, but I don't know. I'm just going to make the call, one yeah. more call and see what happens. Oftentimes it turns into a yes and then you're Absolutely. shocked. <laughs> I mean, it's like in, your, in, the, in the early parts of the book where they, you know, the story of him going, well, I've got my three sales on a Monday, so... Now I can do paperwork on the Tuesday, and I can go play golf, and then it all goes, yeah, you know, goes pear shaped. Um, right. Yeah. So okay, so that's that's that willingness to fail, uh, and then number four is failing bigger and faster. Faster, yes, and failing bigger to me is so much fun because this is where we talk about getting big nose, and and that's about hearing those going after those big, scary clients, those big, scary prospects that maybe you feel like are out of your league. Um, Those are the big no's uh, and the the failing faster. So it, that is the, that is the speed. And again, you know, from an outbound perspective, you know, the, um, all of the guys who run outbound are all about, let's get, fill the pipeline, let's get more opportunities going. And and so that's that failing faster idea. Okay, yeah, fantastic. for sure. Um, yeah, so failing bigger. And, and that's a fun one just because sometimes we just assume, well, they're just going to say no. There's no way this company is going to even let me in their door. There's no way I'm going to even get an appointment. Well, hang on. Let's go for it, right? Let's yeah, get a big absolutely. no. What, yeah. How amazing would that be if you if you got that no um, or if you got that yes? So yeah. it, it gets really exciting. And then level five is failing exponentially. Yeah. And that is team failure. So that is very simple. If an individual can go for no and get success, then teams can go for no and um, fail together and ideally achieve their goals as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. So level, you know, the five failure levels. And um, you've yep. seen people successfully go through all five and really, you know, it's elevated their success. Yeah. And, and what's funny is you can kind of bop around a, a little bit. And I, mo- most people who hear us speak or they read the book get to willingness very quickly because they have <laughs> yeah. this epiphany and they say, oh, I get it. I'm going to try it. The, the jump from willingness to wantingness is more difficult because that takes a lot of reprogramming kind of that past that past mindset. That, that's actually where yeah. I'm at. I, I, I've gone. That's where you're at. You know, I'm okay to fail. Like, I, 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 you know, I talk about um, a mindset, you know, when I, when I start my programs and I, I say, you know, look at the Howard Schultz from Starbucks and how much rejection he went through. Or there's so many stories of people over time that endured yeah. constant um, letdown and failure before they achieved success, right? Um, and there's yeah. a story that Paul J. Meyer talks about when, you know, selling insurance when he was living in his caravan. And um, he said he failed every day. And people said, mate, why are you still selling it? He goes, because I'm, I'm the best insurance salesperson in the world. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and he was, he was embracing that. But I've gone from, I'm okay to fail. Like, I've had some big fails. And I think, you know, if I look at failing exponentially or, or, or level four, like, I've experienced that. But I'm sitting here going, I want to embrace this concept even further. And I'm, I think I'm getting stuck at level three. Um, mm-hmm. how, how, I mean, if you were to give me any coaching, what, what could I do to, to break down so that I could really, you know, go to that wanting this to fail? Because it's going against my grain of being positive and manifesting and, and, and going right. to every call going, no, this is going to be the outcome that's going to give me, you know. So how do I embrace level three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – um, the best thing to do is really look at this, not level three is less about 
just mindset. It's yep. far more, I think level three is more tactical. Like level two is more about changing your mindset. Level three is really, again, tactical. And so I would say to you, you all of us have go for no moments in our business. And so without knowing um, exactly how you might apply apply this, let's say that you um, were on the phone with a prospect and you said to them, uh, okay, so you'd like to go ahead and go forward. And they said, yes. And you go, great. And you can think of a couple other things that you would also like from this person in this yeah. moment. And maybe one is a referral or maybe one is you'd like to have them also um, buy some kind of extra package that yep. you just sold with the first package. And so instead, though, you say, okay, well, great, I'm going to go ahead and send you a contract over and we'll get started. And, and you hung up the phone. So in that moment, you should be saying, I want to fail. And I didn't, mm. I wanted to hear no. And instead of Instead of letting, instead of me asking for those couple things from that person that I wanted right then, I didn't. Yeah. And so it's it's that it's in those moments where you have those go for no moments to say I want to see what happens. Yeah. Okay. And so it's that it's that wantingness to fail. Now, if you get a yes, that's ultimately what we want. So don't yeah. so don't confuse that with with ult, the ultimate result. Yes is the destination. No is how you get there. So you want to do the best thing possible, but it's that wantingness to, uh, tr to try that wantingness to fail. Um, and when you have the wantingness to fail, that's when the success comes. It's not, not that it's not that you're trying to yeah. sabotage or have the outcome not go the way you want, but it's understanding that the success is right on the other side. If you want to fail often enough. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, so I, I get that. I get that. That's actually a really good explanation. So I appreciate you, you coaching me through that. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> when you were talking at Outbound, one of the things that you spoke about was um, actually setting no goals. And something you do with your team is around, you know, setting the science of setting no goals. Um, do you mind yes. expanding on that for us, please? Right, right. So the science of setting no goals really, and, and we don't prescribe to tell anyone what their no goal should be. But the, the basic example of it is to take your yes goal and to reverse engineer it and to figure out how many no's you would need um, instead. So yeah. for example, right, if you said, I, I just want one no today and, or excuse me, one yes today. <laughs> I want to close one, make one appointment or one, get one yes. And you generally speaking, you know that in order to do that, you have to hear 10 no's. So you would have a no goal of say 10 for the day in order to get that one yes. But to flip it around, maybe you would say, instead of 10, I'm going to try to get 15 no's and I'm not going to stop even if I get that one yes, which was my original goal. And that's what we all tend to do with yes goals is as soon as we hit that yes goal, we stop. So it's focusing on the no goal instead of worrying about the yes goal. So for example, if if I said, Luigi, you need to get one yes today and you picked up the phone and you got your one yes, um, you might be done calling for the whole day. And then yeah. <laughs> instead I said, no, I want you to get 15 no's and along the way, if you get some yeses, great. But I don't care 
how many yeses you get, you need to get 15 noes. It could take you all day. Yeah. If you get two or three yeses, you can't stop. You, you have to keep going through your noes. And that's the fun thing about no goals is it's really about keeping you in activity and in action, even if you get the yeses that you want. Fantastic. So, and then you monitor them just like any other goal, right? And then you track them like any other yeah. goal, yeah. And it's it, it's designed to be fun and and to kind of see what's possible because we we find that you know with salespeople and people in general, I mean, and it's human nature that when we sometimes um, and this goes to to sales quotas of all kind, the quota sometimes can limit our performance yeah, if absolutely. we're able to meet it easily. Now, sometimes the quotas are really hard and, and, and we're not in danger of hitting them at all. Um, yeah. No goals can help with that as well. But if the quotas are easily reached, then it's time to, to set no goals and to see how many no's can you get and then how many yeses will that end up giving you. Yeah, it's such, a, such an interesting, and it's something like, I'm not sure um, if you heard of Ali Redder, but He's a car salesman in the U.S. that completely smashed the world record, um, and I think he, he like, like did something like fifteen hundred car sales, which was ridiculous. Yeah. And yes. um, one of the things that he speaks about is that, you know, when he went for his training, like the manufacturer training, they're saying, well, you know, expect to do the highest, do like three to four hundred cars, and he's saying, well, why? Like, and so he just set out on a on a journey to sort of break that. And he said, that's sort of a self-limiting belief if that you're telling us it's three to 400. Um, and he completely went and smashed it. And I see that all the time. I see salespeople, you know, oh, I've just got to get one more. And I'm like, well, you're two weeks into the, I've got a client last week. Um, I looked at it, I said, but two weeks into the month, you're already nearly at your target. Um, but because they, they see they're almost there, they completely back off. And then you see all the submetrics that, that support their score is just gone down. And so the rhythm that they were having slows down and then their performance slows down. But guess what? They were happy because they hit their target. Absolutely. And I think those numbers can be psychological hindrances for anything. I mean, we saw this back when, um, like the last uh, company that both Richard and I worked for, it's like you find out, okay, this is the average sale, the average dollar sale. So everyone kind of hits that average and this is the average number of units and this is this and this is that. And when those, when people start to know the numbers, they, they perform to the numbers. It's weird. Right. And they don't, um, we had, we, we were doing go for no training with a young woman who was very new to the company. And that naivete is like the best for salespeople because she had no preconceived notion and she ended up selling like 15 units and everyone was like, that's crazy. How did she do that? Well, she wasn't, she didn't know that the average was 2.4. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, right? yeah. that's the first thing. Yeah. I love it. I love the best salespeople or the best sales professionals is the one that never, never sold before because they've got no baggage and they've got no preconceived ideas on what they can or can't do. So that's awesome. Right. So just want to take it back. So um, just a couple of quick tips for anyone listening to this going, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still struggling with the concepts. What are some really quick tips um, that people can sort of implement that breaks down the fear of hearing no? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is just start to create a no awareness uh, for yourself. And kind of like I did in where I 
had to be honest with myself. And it's hard because with salespeople in general, we're people people and we do like to be liked and um, and all of that. So we have our own ego baggage and, and stuff. But to be just kind of take an honest look at your no awareness and are you hearing no's? And if so, how many? And I would say create a baseline, like take a couple weeks and start tracking and saying, this is when I hear no, um, or I don't hear no at all. And why is that? And then start to change that by setting a very small, easy to achieve no goal, just, just something very simple. And that I think really helps people ease into this philosophy is just taking it very, um, being very methodical and very, very basic. And it's funny because sometimes people will hear this and they get so enthusiastic (laughs) and they come to me and they say, I'm getting a hundred no's. I'm like, (laughs) listen, I know you're enthusiastic. That's great. But that you're, it doesn't even almost matter what industry, Luigi, because it does, it's, that is so difficult because half the time we can't get a hold of people. Yeah. <laughs> and right. And these are these are not just like, oh, I called and left a voicemail. It's a no. Yeah. I mean, that is not a no. Right. This is like actual people saying, no, I don't want to meet with you or the I looked at your proposal and the answer is no. I mean, these are good no's. So yeah. this is not easy to do. And I always have to caution people like, don't go crazy. You don't have to get a hundred no's today that you don't have to go crazy. Just start creating a no awareness and, and being honest and saying, are you shying away from opportunities? Where are your, and, and, um, where are your go for no moments list, you know, write out in your entire sales process, where are all the moments where you have the opportunity to ask And where you have these moments where it's like, I need to ask for the appointment. I need to ask for this. I need to ask for that. Those are all the go for no moments and pay attention to, are you executing on those? Mm. Fantastic. Some solid advice there. And do you want to know from your perspective, obviously, um, you know, you've trained, you know, hundreds of people in this concept, but biggest influence in your career and why? Mm. So the biggest influence for me, and it very much has to do with Go For No, was a book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And yeah, great book. And he talks about um, communicating with integrity. And um, one of the one of, or am I screwing up the ingre- agreements? <laughs> I'm forgetting the first agreement. Um, I know integrity, integrity is in there. Um, but d- not taking things personally is one of the agreements. Yeah. And, um, and well, let's see, not taking things personally and not making assumptions. Sorry. Okay. Those are two of the four that really impacted me the most. And I probably read and referenced that book just repeatedly for like two years, I just would open it up and just reread. I even got the, 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 um, he had these flashcards created where they were beautiful cards with pictures and it would have just the key points from the book. That book, um, really goes hand in hand with go for no because of the idea of not trying to not, not taking that no and that rejection personally. So that helped me when I was getting over that, even as I was teaching Go For No. Oh, fantastic. Well, I've just I've, I've got another book to buy from Amazon this uh, today, so I'll be jumping on that after this. <laughs> and in your opinion, I, I, I like to ask all my guests this question. Um, is sales, is it an art or a science? 
Oh my gosh, I love that question. And, and I, you're going to kill me because I have to say it's both. <laughs> I have to say it's both. I love the science part of it. Yeah. And I think that to the, to the, um, I think the best salespeople take what I believe is ultimately a very artistic process and they put science to it. Yep. So they, they take and they figure out what is, what is the scripting that works the best, Absolutely. Um, yeah. but they, right. But they always leave, but they don't make it so stilted that they, they are not a person and, yeah. and they, they allow their authenticity and their personality to, to shine through. And that's the art of it. And I think ultimately the most successful salespeople love the game of sales. I I think they love just the, the thrill of getting an opportunity and seeing like, um, how can I help this person and communicate with this person in such a way that it helps them, it helps them make the right decision. And it's just a, it's just a fun profession because I think salespeople are people, people, and that's, that is art. Absolutely, I get I get such mixed responses to that question. Um, Mark Hunter, you know, he's no, it's, it's an art, and uh, and I've had others that say no, it's a science. You know, we know how many times we can call them, and um, and and you know, I I, I feel both, but I'm a believer that the data, uh, looking at scripts, yes, that can help me, but at the end of the day, is the conversation that I have with the customer for me that's a craft. It's something that mm. I find that I can refine it, I can get better at it. Um, and yeah. you know, and that's yeah. where the art comes from. You know, it's like an elite athlete, the more I train, the better I get. The better I get, the better I can perform. Um, so that's why I love that question. Right, I love that. I love that so much. And I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's again. Okay. <laughs> but it, and, and it's such a fun question because too, I think that you never know. Um, you can't no sales black and white. No sale Absolutely. is easy. No sale is every every person is different, and that's that's why from the science standpoint, yeah, there's so much data and there's so much way that you can make it scientific. But um, ultimately, you just it's all new. Like every yeah. time you're just doing, it's a new person, and it's going to be the conversation's going to go just slightly <laughs> different. You Absolutely, know? and you never like I had I was testing a lead source for a client last week and I pride myself on my ability, especially in the inside sales model, to convert really high. And I had tested, you know, ten new inbound leads. And after ten calls, I hadn't converted one. And I'm like, have I lost? <laughs> it's all of a sudden my capability where usually I get like four or five, have I completely lost my ability here? And it wasn't until I reflected and I'm like, well, hang on a second. I'm actually not in the zone. Like, I'm just going through the motions and I'm not providing Mm -hmm. like, and I had to just stop, recalibrate and go, not just that, but each customer is different. And so, you know, I could have been um, mediocre and gone, no, no, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I'll finally get the result. Um, But, or I could have altered my approach recalibrated, repositioned, changed my mindset, and then the next 10, I got the outcome that I was looking for. Um, and I think that's, mm. that, you know, that, that I see quite a lot is, is that's a difference between high-performing sales professionals and mediocre sales professionals. It's the ones that will stop and reflect and go, I need to change. I need to, you know, I need to go back into the afternoon. Athlete. I need to go back in the gym. I need to do a bit more strength work. I need to focus on my food, sleep, whatever it is. But all those one percenters that help them improve their mm-hmm. performance. Mm, I, yeah, I love that. I so agree. 
Yeah. Yeah, this has been fantastic. So, look, I I really enjoyed our conversation today. And before we uh, finish up, are you able to share with us and our listeners where they can find a bit more about you um, or engage with you after this podcast? Yeah, I would love to hear from people. So it's gofornow.com, G-O-F-O-R-N-O.com. Okay. And for anyone who engages with Andrea, please, if you get no, don't take it personal. That's right, but I will be nice. I will say yes. No worries. And we'll, we'll put some stuff in the show notes where they can get your book as well. So, look, I really appreciate um, after you know hearing you at Outbound and reading your book, um, I'm looking forward to watching that movie. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for, for you know your contribution to our, to our profession. Absolutely. Thank you so much as well. This was so much fun. No worries. Bang. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but no can never hurt me. Andrea brought it, and did she bring it? Andrea, what I loved about listening to Andrea is that this is not just someone that's decided to write a book based on a concept. It's something that in her own business, it's a concept and philosophy that she implements every single day. It's concepts that, you know, they set targets for themselves around how many no's they're going to get in any given day. So my challenge to you this week is, how many no's are you prepared to get? How many no's are you prepared to challenge yourself to get so that you can be the best sales professional you can be?